The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 166. All of this is new to you and new can be scary. When people need help, I never refuse. There's this moment when you're sure you're about to die, and then you're born. I know exactly who I am. I'm the doctor. Ta-da! Ooh. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the latest episode the penultimate episode of this season called Ascension of the Cybermen. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. And uh, Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, sunshine. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a reference, you'll get it. Remember to like The Secrets of Doctor Who on Facebook, folks, if you can, at facebook.com slash secrets of Doctor Who. And uh, follow us on Twitter, where we're at SQPN, and retweet the shows there if you can. And leave us comments in social media and various places. Uh, all of that, not only does that you know, give us feedback for the show, but it also helps spread the news about uh, the secrets of Doctor Who and gets the, uh, the, the podcast out in front of more people and helps us grow our audience. And we really appreciate that. Which is particularly important now because we've got some new listeners because we're in a season of Doctor Who, but we're continuing on to talk about the rich yep. history of Doctor Who in both television and movies and spinoff media, uh, even between seasons. And so it's it's a great time yes. to get the word out now so people can hear us talk about the end of this season. We're in the first part of a two-part finale or really the second part of a three-part finale. <laughs> right, and, exactly. and, uh, but we're going to be keep going on. So we want to let people know that. We want to let uh, the people who will be interested because of the new season get on the boat now and that then they'll be with us for the voyage between seasons as well. Come aboard. Uh, so uh, just a little bit of news as we go, as you probably may perhaps have heard. But uh, Chris Chibnall, the showrunner, has announced no surprise. He's coming back for next season. So that's that's not really a surprise. He's got uh, he's got some uh, loose ends to tie up. I'm going to I'm pretty sure that, yeah. <laughs> that we're going well, to want you said that before he came on that he had a bold master plan that he had presented to the BBC and they didn't blink. And the first season that he did was really about just trying to bring on new viewers by not having any complex baggage from the show's past. Right. So everything was new. Now in this season, things are and also have the doctor win over the audience by being likable, which was job number one for the doctor. Yep. And now the doctor is getting darker and more complex and we're having the, the Chibnall master plan start to unfold. But this is only act one of the Chibnall master plan unfolding. Mm -hmm. So totally expected for him to be back next season. Yep. And of course, Jody Whittaker's uh, is signed on to be back. So that's not a surprise either. Uh, I, I did see some comments where he said he'd love to have previous companions from previous eras of Doctor Who on. Uh, he, he specifically uh, mentioned um, Sarah Jane, uh, Harry Sullivan, uh, of course, he, those actors are dead, so he can't. But, right, right. Mm, uh, but he did mention Amy and Rory and yes. Tegan. Uh, another. Te hmm? He said Tegan. He mentioned her by yeah. name. Hmm. And Amy and Rory. And um, yeah, he did mention someone else. Was it Ace, perhaps? 
Oh, I'd love to see Ace back. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And Ace is Ace is so Sophie Aldred, who played Ace, is still very active. She's doing big finish uh, stuff, um, and she just released a novel yes. that the BBC advertised um, that she wrote uh, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Ace meeting the Thirteenth Doctor and the Fam. Um, it's called At Childhood's End, and it is set in a period of Ace's life after Ace left the Seventh Doctor. Um, and apparently things did not end well mm. with the Seventh Doctor. And But she gets involved with the Thirteenth Doctor and Team TARDIS, and they have an adventure, which I'm in the middle of reading. Oh, cool, cool. Um, I have to take a look at that. So, but uh, so that so that's the um, the news. Let's talk about this episode. This is I've seen some people talking online about it <laughs> about it who said um, this was confusing. To them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's a lot to be confused about. Of course, I mean we're we're only ha- halfway through this story that they're telling. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of loose well, ends left. They're, and- they're using nonlinear storytelling, and they have two parallel. I mean, really, two parallel timelines, and one right. of those timelines has multiple threads within it. Yeah, and they don't relate the two timelines together. So you need to see part two to watch the two timelines come together, and they haven't done that yet. Right. I, we, I, we might have theories. Oh, we might have yeah. theories about that, but uh, oh, ahead. I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what I want to know is uh, the meaning of the title "Ascension of the Cyberman," because right. we don't see that. There's, well, I don't know. I don't know what the ascension is. There's uh, a moment later yeah. where, at towards the end of the episode, where uh, the lone Cyberman Ashad says the ascension is beginning, and then he right. proceeds to do something that looks like attack another Cyberman. Yeah, but then the Cybermen are all still on his side, so it's like he was modifying them. But the nature of the ascension. I mean, clearly he wants a rebirth of the Cyber Empire, but. Uh, we don't it, we, uh, turning on a bunch of Cybermen is not an ascension. Someone makes even a comment at that point that I didn't quite catch, but uh, they said something along along the lines of that made me think that maybe he's modifying their emotion suppression. Yeah, maybe because he doesn't um, have any emotion suppression as we've established. Correct. Right. I I don't. I do, but I still it, yeah. I don't know what the ascension of the Cyberman is at this right. point. Right. That's yeah. That's a question. So we start off this episode with um, the lone Cyberman Ashad giving a voiceover narration uh, as we see um, the, the space debris space of this, debris of yeah, yeah of uh, Cyberman parts and there's a Cyberman head rolling through space at us. It's it's kind of creepily effective, and it he says a bunch of stuff, but the effect of where. You know, we've been defeated. We are victims of a billion battles, an empire of might and terror fallen. Every empire falls and that which is dead can live again in the hands of a believer. And so we we establish that what he's trying to do is re give a rebirth to the cyber empire that uh, mm-hmm. that has there's been this mutual destruction between humanity and the Cybermen. And they're, you know, going down with the hands on each other's throats, essentially. Um, and then after the credits roll. We get this scene of this Irish man on a bike on a back road in some indeterminate pre say nineteen fifty. 
Yeah, it's it looks like early 1900s based on a plane that as we see the baby grow up, he's playing with a plane that is a vintage plane. Okay. So it's after right. the invention of powered flight in around 1906 yeah. with the Wright brothers, but it's uh before uh it's before you get modern jets and stuff. And then right, later right. when we see the end of the child's career, it is so 1970s, the uniforms the guards are wearing. Right. It's like, okay, and this the car, is really car in the, the background's a 70s. 70s era type car. Right. And- so this is probably, yeah, right. So um, what he, what happens is this Irish man's riding his bike down a lane, finds a baby in a basket. Um, he takes no him note. home. No note, no nothing. They take him home. Um, and he and his wife, who would, you kind of get the sense that they can't have children of their own. Yeah. That, and and I, I, that's all I can infer because as the scene played out, we don't know anything about this guy or his wife. He mm-hmm. brings home a baby and th- and they're playing it like this is a welcome thing. Mm. But I can't help thinking I'm a little real politic in terms of what are the possibilities here. And I and they didn't establish that the this couple is infertile or which member is infertile. Right. And so I could if it's if 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 they're not infertile or if it's just the wife who's infertile, um, then part of my head is playing out like, oh, yeah, honey, I totally buy that. You just found this baby on the road and you're not at all its father <laughs> by mm. someone else. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that that could be a thing. But of course, as things play out, you know, that there's a whole nother question that rises. Um, yeah. So they raise him as their own. We see a montage. They call his name is Brendan. Um, and they name him Brendan. Right. Right. Yeah. They name him Brendan. He's got this distinctive red hair, uh, very Irish red hair. Um, and so and we're going to come, come back and forth to him. Uh, but right now we just have this this growing up montage. Then we He's cut. living in a parallel universe that's not connected with the rest of this episode. Yes, exactly. I mean, whether literally or figuratively a parallel universe, but the events of what's going on with him are not. It's like a separate show. Uh, so then the, the doctor and and fam, uh, we see them now uh, on a, in another place on a ridge lugging equipment. They're in the far future Obviously, an alien planet because there's a uh, a planet in the sky behind them, a ringed planet in the sky behind them. So we established they were somewhere else. Um, yeah, but it, visually, I mean, they find this bombed out village, and right. my first thought because I didn't, I don't know if they established it early enough. I just didn't see it. Yeah, the ringed planet. But we were looking at this bombed out village, and I'm thinking this is the same village where they found the baby. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, but no, same... it's not. Yeah. Um, in fact, there's a tower that looks suspiciously like either a Spanish or Italian, like bell tower. Uh, <laughs> well, there's there's a lot of like even like the church looks like your typical English countryside. Yeah, church. Yeah. Well, they're they're um they're they're they, they established that it's the last remaining human settlement in the universe, the last seven this, people alive. This side of the universe. Yeah, I'm sorry, this side of the universe. Thank you, thank you. That's that's becomes important for later. Um. And as they're they're coming down and they encounter the people, these two cyber shuttles of conveniently uh, show up uh, and uh, the doctor says, I've come to help. And uh, they begin setting up this defensive equipment, this a neural inhibitor that will that will uh, uh, activate do that whole thing where the cybermen, once they know that 
they they have the emotions uh unsuppressed they go mad um then there's a particle projector which projects particles of gold which we talked about right yep, yep. that's yep. that's been established as gold is I, bad for them i was gonna say i think this is the first time in new who that they've actually mentioned that yes mm-hmm. yes uh, i'm really happy we actually did did that episode from uh classico we've we we have a uh, I'm not sure. Did we have we released that? Harry or not? Sullivan is an idiot. <laughs> yes. yes, we've released it. <laughs> okay, okay, we've we've had that one out. Uh, and then uh, then we have uh, a force field which will zap them. Uh, so the and fry each, them. Yeah, yeah. Each um, each companion gets one of these pieces of equipment and gets to explain it to one of the natives so that the audience knows what they are. Right. So, and you okay. know, kind of, Go point two is uh, we don't see the TARDIS because the TARDIS was parked a half a mile away. Yes, which, and that's important for later. Yeah, Th- thanks for um, creating artificial constraints. <laughs> yeah. So, as the doctor told the doctor in the mid-season surprise, yep. the doctor doesn't use weapons. Yeah. Well, the doctor's using them now. Yep. Let's think about what we've got here. Yeah. We have the emotion uninhibitor. And Cybermen don't just go crazy like Graham has been led to believe they do when they get their emotions un- uninhibited based on what we've seen in New Who. They explode. Yeah. So this is a deadly weapon, and the doctor's okay with that. She's the one who gave it to Graham. Then we have the gold particle projector, and gold clogs their vents and makes them unable to breathe, and thus they suffocate and die. So this is another deadly weapon, and the doctor is okay with that because she gave it to Yaz. And then we have the force field that, according to Ryan, will fry any Cybermen who try to cross it. So that's a deadly weapon, and the doctor is okay with that because she gave it to Ryan. And then... The taboo of all taboos, guns. She goes to one of the refugees and says, what do you have? And the refugee says, we have two guns and one of them's broken. And the doctor says, so basically nothing. So she was hoping they had more Mm -hmm. guns than they had. So we've got a little bit of real politic here with the doctor. All those all that phony baloney virtue signaling is coming off now that we've got a situation where it's obvious even to the doctor, you need to use deadly force to deal with this threat. Right. And that's what's happened in prior Cybermen episodes. I mean, there's an episode coming up where uh, Peter Davison's mild mannered doctor puts a gun to the chest of a Cyberman and pulls the trigger and kills it. Right. And um, so the, the the doctor has used deadly force, and not just on that occasion, but on others, has used deadly force with the Cybermen before, including with, I mean, we heard all about the glitter guns yep. that were used and the gold uh, in the Tom Baker episode gets used. And so the doctor is okay with using deadly force against against this threat. I just wish they would integrate that into the character's personality consistently and say, yeah, I don't like to use weapons. I try to avoid them, but I will use them when necessary, because that's clearly yeah. what the character does. And the Cybermen are not just robots. They are, you know, they, yeah. they are people in there. They're heavily damaged people, right. heavily wounded and not in control of their own faculties. But they're still people. You're still killing them. So it's, you know, just something to keep in mind. Uh, So they they. uh these weapons are terribly ineffective, unfortunately. They don't work at all. We have these flying cyber heads called cyber drones that come in and target the defenses. 
Um, I I was not a fan of the Cyberhead drones. Yeah, they're kind of weird. Th- they're the reason that the weapons don't work. Um, the I don't know if there is any wetware in those Cyberheads. If there's not, that could be why they were immune to these weapons and mm. uh, and were able to take them out in advance of the main cyber guard on whom they presumably would have been effective. Then we have uh, with, you know, the doctor had told the, the seven remaining humans to you know to hide inside and no one no one leave that that bombed out building that has no absolute absolutely no defense to it uh, because it's, it would be terrible. Uh, but then this mute brother and another girl, well, the mute brother panics and this other girl chases him out. And they get killed. And I'm thinking to myself, why was running away bad? I mean, is it any worse than sitting still and getting killed? I mean, they were they were sitting ducks to begin with. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just. And the doctor then tells them to run. There's this is an interestingly filmed scene where outside they're using a super gritty form of camera work Mm -hmm. and lighting. And it and we have an aerial bombardment from the viewpoint of the people being bombarded and from the viewpoint of the drones unleashing the bombardment. Right. And this is something a little different than what we normally, what we often see in Doctor Who battles, having a gritty, it feels like almost like a war movie. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of cinematography is something that's a little different. I like that. Uh, what I, what I don't understand is why the Cybermen want to kill these people instead of upgrading them, especially if your cyber empire has been wiped out. You need new recruits. Right. So you should you should if 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 you're ever going to kill human beings, um, it should be when you're strong, when you're weak, you should not kill them. You should be upgrading them to build your own numbers. So I didn't understand that. And they don't address that at all in the show. Um, but I did like there's a genuinely grim feeling here and the doctor is in command and I like the doctor being in command in this situation. And at one point she says to herself, I've been so reckless with you. Right. If you're captured, they will assimilate you. And 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 that's true. So um, I like I like all those aspects. But what I don't like is the logic problem we have here. Right. Mm. Yeah, I, I do like that that moment where she says, I've been too reckless with your lives. Because you can be converted, and again, like I said last week, this b- brings you know. I, I to me, she's thinking of Bill most recently, and yeah, how yeah. that that turned out for Bill. And so, uh, I like this, like you said, this dog, this doctor who's in command, who's a little darker, a little you know, more uh, uh, worried about things, and not happy, happy, go, go, uh, as she was, and and you know, flat, high, you know, flat command structure. Uh, so I, I do. I'm, I'm enjoying that part of the doctor's personality coming out here. Um, so Ashad, the lone Cyberman, shows up with a couple other uh, goons. He's got friends this time. Um, and as Ryan and Graham and Yaz have, are running to this, uh, the the aliens. I'm sorry, the the remaining humans uh, ship. They Ryan gets separated from them, and they get on the yep. ship. It takes off. Graham and Yaz. Um, Ryan and some of the other humans get left behind uh, Two, I think two of them, a, a father and a son. And um, the, the lone Cyberman uh, corners, the father and son uh, kills the father and is going to kill the son, but then tells him, uh, you know, you're going to be the last human alive. I'm going to leave you alive to tell the tale of the Cybermen and, and our, mm-hmm. you know, whatever our, our, our implacability or whatever. And to all the other races that are out there who yeah. are all going to die. Right. Yep. Um, he's gone from, 
this Cyberman we talk he talks to, you know at different points in the episode. In fact, he can, when he confronts the doctor later, uh, he says something along the lines of, and I have to say this is part of my like some of the dialogue was confusing to me, uh, so I'm still struggling with it. But uh, something <laughs> along the lines of, he, he's decided that it's not enough to just assimilate, you know, upgrade uh, humans. He just wants to destroy the universe, essentially destroy everything. It sounded like that. Yeah. 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 It, it. I mean, and I didn't have trouble understanding him, but it, it, it on a semantic level, it's right. like, okay, why do you want to kill everything? Yeah. Are, is, does that include Cybermen? Well, I, I think this is, you know, kind of the megalomania that go, comes with receiving the, the Siberium. Right. You know, because he keeps bringing it up, you know, the Siberium is showing him and telling him and helping, you know, I, I think it's, it's kind of part of that of he understands that now he's got supreme power <laughs> right and and this is where we, like the doctor keeps saying at this point oh we can't make it to the tardis it's too far away we die well that would that seems like poor planning <laughs> like why, yeah, exactly. why'd you park the tardis all the way over there why didn't you park it here like if you're gonna if, if it's so far away that you can't run for it you'll die like why didn't you take land in the middle load yeah. seven people on it because there's only seven and fly <laughs> away like hello it just it i I get uh, yeah. you need the drama, the drama, but it just seems like such an artificial constraint. So, uh, but I'll put a pin in that, move it aside, and continue on. But yeah, well, this is also the second episode where they've done that, where the TARDIS is you know a mile away or a half a mile away. Yeah. They've done this a lot. Close. Yeah. They and they could have handled it with dialogue. They could have beamed down the TARDIS right in the middle of the city, and they could have. In, as soon as the characters are outside of it um, and they try to get back into the TARDIS, oh, there's been an explosion and the TARDIS is buried. Right. Or they just say this is a dialogue fix. They just say the Cybermen have some kind of TARDIS dampening field that has locked it. They've time locked the TARDIS yeah. and now we can't get into it. E even simpler. There's a Cyberman standing right in front of the front door of the TARDIS. We can't get in. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. So instead, what we have is the doctor has to hijack a cyber shuttle. Um, and uh, so she reunites. But, but with, before yep. that, she's got to save the guy whose father or whatever died. Yeah. And so the doctor who doesn't use weapons, remember that. Uses a grenade. <laughs> she makes a bomb. Yep. Yeah. Another deadly weapon. She tries to kill the lone Cyberman with it. Right. Uh, yes. She blows. She blows. She knocks him down. Uh, the boy escapes. She gets connected with Ryan again, and then they hijack a cyber shuttle. Where she tells us that in her when she was a teenager, she used to uh, 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 what was it? Hotwire. 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 Cyber ships or hotwire hot warp drives on weekends but we don't have warp drives or weekends or teenagers, no, teenagers or weekends. we don't have teenagers or weekends <laughs> right right so uh she's trying to and then the the the, the boy says no i i get a simpler method and we, we establish that his whole life has been has been at war with the cybermen it's like he grew up as a, a war by a war baby he, he started learning how to hotwire warp drives at age four uh, so then we have uh, we we go back to Brendan the the Irish the Irish uh, orphan baby, and I, I have a note here where I say and I give my theory right here at this this point in the episode, Brendan, or his father, is the lone Cyberman. That's my theory. Is a shot. Oh, okay. So that was my theory as soon as I saw the guy on the bicycle. Okay. Um, but I think that that is not the case. I think the actors are different. Yeah. Um, they are the yeah. in this scene. So 
at this point, Brendan has grown up enough. I mean, we've had a montage of, you yeah. know, his parents taking care of him and get, putting a thermometer in his mouth when he's sick and stuff. But now he's grown up and he's joining the he's joining the Irish police, the guards. Yes. Or Garda. And uh, he's having his interview with a guy who's already on the force. And the guy alludes, he, he, he you know, he's like, why do you want to be a guard? And his adopted father starts to speak up for him and he shuts that down and let, like, let him speak for himself. He says, I want to make a difference. And he says, you know, I was with your father the day that they found you. And I'm like, you told this kid he's a foundling in early in early 20th century Ireland. Do you know the stigma that attaches to that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that kind of popped yeah. me out of the story. Yes. Now, that was my theory at the point. But actually, as we've been talking in this episode, I have a new theory considering how it ends. And the title of next mm. week's episode. So I, uh, <laughs> you've arrived at my theory. Uh, well, I'm yep. glad we're on the same wavelength. So let's we'll, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll come back to that. So uh, we we find out that uh, the the group that Graham and Yaz are with they're headed they were headed for something called the Boundary, which they yeah. say is a gateway that will take you to a random part of the universe. Uh, so it's like it, it's like a time doorway in Land of the Lost. Yes. Just always <laughs> random. I love yeah. that deep cut reference there. Uh, so the the uh, the Cybermen can't follow because it's random every time it opens. And so they, they can't necessarily follow you. Um, and uh, so so they're heading there. But uh, they they're the ship they are is in is ramshackle and they're not sure they're going to make it. Uh, the lone Cyberman shows up on the, the doctor's shuttle via hologram and claims that he was. Like she kind of starts talking to him as if he was um, involuntarily uh, upgraded by the Cybermen, and so he should overcome that. <laughs> and then he says, "No, no, I'm fine with that." And she says, "I feel that would seem too easy. I feel like I should charge you for therapy." And he says, "No, yeah. uh, I was a willing recruit." Yeah, he says he was a willing recruit, but he was rejected for a reason. And this, I the I couldn't hear in the audio. It was it was low quality, and I couldn't quite hear what he said. But something caused the cyber empire to reject him, which may be why he's only partially assimilated. Mm -hmm. And he, but he says he hid in the shadows, and now he knows he's got this real purpose. And so basically, he's a self hating Cyberman wannabe. Yep. Right. Well, I watched with the the second time I watched, I watched with the uh, the captioning on comment or the, the the captioning on, and it really doesn't say why he was rejected. It just said that he was rejected. Hmm. I wonder again if it has something to do with the title of next week's episode that maybe he wasn't compatible hmm. with upgrade. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh. So uh, we back to uh, Brendan, the the police, the Irish policeman who is chasing a criminal to the edge of a the cliffs of insanity or the cliffs of more or just cliffs in Ireland where there seems to be lots of uh, sheer cliffs in Ireland, apparently. And uh, he's chasing the criminal. Uh, the criminal turns the tables on him, shoots him, and he falls off the cliff to the bottom where we think he's dead, but he's fine now. In fact, he doesn't even have a bullet hole in him. And his uniform does. though. His, yes. And we can see dad standing nearby looking on, doesn't trust him anymore, has this look on his face, like considering, you know, what's going mm -hmm. on here with this foundling child. 
Uh, well, so- it's obvious he's from Krypton. You find the child on the road and then bullets <laughs> don't affect him, you know, and he's stronger than a, a locomotive and able to leap tall buildings in a single I was gonna say, he's, he's, a, he's actually Gallifreyan and he just regenerated after he fell, but he looks the same. <laughs> what? Well, that's on this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if he leaps tall buildings, he should leap tall cliffs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the refugee shuttle uh, breaks down. It has a it breaks down in the middle of in the midst of a cloud of dead Cybermen. Uh, and so they have to. So Graham and Yes, Yes, I have to say in this episode oh, is bring, bring brings a new meaning to spare parts. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I have to say, like Yes, in this episode, she's and in fact the last couple, she's really taken charge. She's really sort of the become yeah. the the le- leader in very in various situations, which I think is interesting. Uh, she is self actualized now. Yes. in a way that she was not before. Graham is similar. But he's an older man. Right. And yep. Ryan still has not self-actualized. Nope. He's still kind of following behind. And But uh, yeah, Yaz doesn't give up. She's There's always a solution. She's really, uh, you know, sort of uh, taking on some of the doctor's char- characteristics that are typical. And so this this shuttle. And, 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 and yep. so has Graham, because he is like he and Yaz both yes. are very much. We are not giving up here. Right. We are going to keep going. Um, and there's always Graham, hope. I know. I noticed Graham, like in not just this episode, but in other episodes, too, has been referring to people as sunshine. (laughs) Um, And and then he in this episode, when he's got this one guy who's like, oh, we're all going to die. It's like, yes, thank you, Eeyore. <laughs> yeah, nice, yeah, nice Winnie that. the Pooh reference there. I I did notice that. But then we get we get Pasca and this is this is a little sketchy but so basically they're on the ship they have minimal life support that if they don't go fast will cause them to all die for lack of life support before they get to the boundary but -hmm. if they go fast they will they will uh, break down and also die of no life support and so (laughs) they're the engineer sort of lady is going fast and the other guy's like no 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 you can't go this fast and it, then it, they say the system is going to melt down. And then we have the most minimal meltdown of a reactor <laughs> ever yeah. in history where it just knocks everybody to the ground, basically. And that's it. Yeah. Um, yep. We didn't even see a hydrogen explosion. I mean, that's what really knocks stuff down when you have a reactor meltdown. Yep. Um, but then they are they're losing oxygen at an even greater rate. And they discover in this asteroid field of cyber parts that there is a ship out there and so they they decide to do pascal's oxygen wager yeah. where <laughs> where it's like we don't know if we're going to be able to get on that ship or if there's oxygen but if we don't we're dead so let's wager that we can get there and it will have oxygen and what we need to do is vent our own oxygen here and for some to push us over there, which is yep. OK, fine. Yep. Um, I don't know how much oxygen you've really got if you're that low on life support, how, right. how much thrust you're going to generate. They also mentioned rotating uh, or moving all power to propulsion as well from life. support, So they would have both the propulsion and the oxygen. They were turning off all the power. Yeah. Well, they were they were redirecting all the power, but I thought they were redirecting it to the life support, which wouldn't make any sense. I mean, you've got a finite amount of oxygen. Adding electricity wouldn't make any sense. But maybe you're right. Maybe yeah. I I didn't hear something yeah. and it was to the propulsion. Well, they they, sh- they show the, the ship, too, as it's rocketing 
yeah. pun intended, uh-huh. to the uh, ship with the propulsion on it's the bottom of the as well. Yeah. So. And and so they give us a visually impressive thing of this that makes no sense of this thing tumbling through the asteroid cyber field and then just happening to magically slot itself into the docking bay of the ship. <laughs> yes. And it would have been much more believable if they had like had a more controlled flight where right. we could see what was propelling them and they're not just tumbling randomly and then magically happen to go in the door yeah. the right way. Uh, it, was a, it was a heck of a inter interstellar hockey slap shot. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, eight ball in the corner pocket. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, while they're, you know, they're that the, the cyber shuttle with a shot on it uh, shows up uh, outside. And uh, so then we cut to the doctor arriving at the boundary um, and it turns out they kept they kept referring to it as Koshamas. Well, Koshamas isn't a place; it's a person. It's the 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 basically the old dude, the gatekeeper um, mm-hmm. uh, at at uh, the boundary. And uh, it was I. My first thought here was there's there's a there's a trope in movies about uh, people trying to escape from oppressive regimes where there's always a the 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 place. Beyond, just beyond reach. Where if you can make it there, there's freedom to be had. And mm-hmm. our, our, yeah, you like know, Logan's Run and all kinds of things. Exactly. Yep. And then the hero get the hero's journey. They get there, and it turns out that it's a honey trap. And in fact, it was set up by the oppressive regime to catch anybody who managed to get away from the other thing. And it, and and that Koshamas would be the the human who was allowed to lure them in in exchange for survival. It, it, it's, and we don't know whether that's true or not, but that was my initial impression of the boundary since no one else is there. Yeah, I had something similar where, OK, the, the, the liberation you're finding is a metaphor. This is really this <laughs> right. is death. Right. You yeah. go through the go through the boundary and you die. Um, so I I didn't involve the Cybermen necessarily, although I was aware of that possibility. But I had the same vibe about, OK, this may be this is this could easily fit in the into the too good to be true sanctuary. Yeah. So I, I looked at it more of, of like a myth of they would get there and it's nothing there. Kind of like um yeah the episode where uh where we uh, Derek Jacoby Master where yeah they oh, got this right. place the universe is dying and they got this place they can go to that is you know the stars are diamonds you know that kind of thing. I figured it was kind of along that lines too. In fact, it feels this episode feels very much like that one. End of the universe, the place that the last remnants of humanity can escape to, and yeah. well, a little bit of spoilers, and the master <laughs> somewhere in and all the that. Master. Uh, so it's it a it's a very interesting, and I don't know whether that's conscious or not, but it it is very much an interesting. Uh, feels like that, uh, Chando. So the refugees on the on the war carrier. They, it, it turns out that the the ship that they got onto was uh, was a cyber, uh, cyber war carrier, cyberman war carrier. Uh, Graham and the and the lady start looking uh, and around. Now that we know we're on a cyber war carrier. It takes them a ridiculously long amount of time to What's ask what is this carrying if it's a carry <laughs> war carrier. Yeah. Um. And then they're they're running around unnecessarily pressing things. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like that's not a good idea. If you know you're in dangerous territory, you don't go around unnecessarily pressing buttons. You're likely to activate something you don't want to activate, right. which is exactly what happens. Were there any well, other cyber shuttles in the hangar bay? Maybe you could have got that's, on that's one of those. That was, my, that was <laughs> my thought. Was it's like as soon as you realize, you know, let's let's give them until the point where they actually, you know, Graham and and his his friend there help 
open up the first cabinet with a Cyberman. Yeah. Uh, my reaction would have been, okay, where's the next cyber shuttle? We're out of here. <laughs> exactly. Well, and uh, so there's this one moment, and this is a nice little bit of uh, language here, uh, linguistics uh, here, where he, Graham is, uh, about to open the door, he says, oh, well, let's have a butcher's look. And she's like, well, what? He says, don't no, you know Cockney rhyming slang? No, no, he says, let's have a butcher's. Oh, right. And, and, yep. and she's like, what? And he says, butcher's look, butcher's hook, look. Yeah. Cockney rhyming slang. Yes. So, Jimmy, do you can you give us a quick explanation of that? Do you know enough about it? To... Yeah. So Cockney rhyming slang, <laughs> as the name would suggest, is a form of slang that is used in famous for being used in Cockney circles in uh, in England. And it the idea is you take a word that sounds like a word or phrase typically a phrase that sounds like something else that rhymes with something else. And then you just use the first part of it. So for example, there's a scene in the fall and rise of Reginald Perrin where Reginald Perrin's son comes over, who's using Cockney rhyming slang. And he says, you know, how are the dustbins doing? And um, it's not understood what that means. And so he says, dustbin lids, kids, how are the kids doing? (laughs) So, but he just refers to them as dustbins. Right. And uh, and and then um, when uh, another character comes over, Reginald Perrin's son-in-law, Tom, uh, his son, Mark, says, so how are the dustbins giving you much trouble? And uh, Tom, who is kind of a nerd and doesn't get this, says, oh, yes, much less. We've we've uh, we've changed them with plastic ones. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, apparently. There, you can't just you know use any phrase. There's very specific conventions in in use here. So, so if someone hears you know let's have a butcher's, uh, with butcher's hook, butcher's look, you know that sort of thing. Um, you'd understand hook to and hook rhymes with look. Right. So let's have a look becomes let's have a butcher's. Yes. Uh. So uh, it's it's fun. I I love language. It's funny how it works. So I just thought that was uh, an interesting insight into a particular culture. So yeah, uh, what 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 this is is a kind of leet speak, yes. Um, because mm. you have to be in the know to get these references, right? Right, right. So it turns out that the carrier is a troop carrier, and it's full of a hundred thousand or so sleeping old school looking Cybermen. Yeah, I, yeah. I like the I like the eighties style heads, even as the, the bodies yeah. are the more modern Cybermen. The heads look a lot like the nineteen eighties right. style. Yeah, actually, it's hundreds of thousands because they say there's like a thousand on this deck and there are hundreds of decks. Right. That's true. That's true. I had a note on this part of the um, this part of the show that Graham at this point is getting annoying writing the writing Eeyore and and he keeps just shoving it in his face that we saved you and therefore things are not hopeless and that just keeps coming up and Graham's yeah. getting annoying about it. Well, he even even says I'm going to I'm going to remind you on the hour, every hour on the hour. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And and it, it was, that was annoying. But I I do like there's a great exchange where uh when um when Graham and Future Lady who doesn't know Cockney rhyming slang are going off to press unnecessary buttons, um somebody tells Graham, I think it's yeah, somebody tells Graham be careful and he says I was born careful and Yaz says that's actually true. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I thought you were going to mention when the uh 
the the uh, future lady says to him, "You're a strange man," and he takes exception to that. She goes, "No, no, strange is good. I like strange." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, he's, well, <laughs> yeah." He's like little post hint of maybe we're over grace enough to have a romance. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Uh, so uh, now the doctor in, is at the boundary place with Ryan and uh, the 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 boy they rescued. I wish I I knew everybody's names, but I don't. Um, Ethan, I think. Ethan, Ethan okay. either Ethan or Evan. Oh yeah, it's Ethan. Yeah, it's, it's Ethan. Uh, so um, turns out that Koshamis was an escapee from a processing center uh, where they were people were being upgraded. He got away, um, and that he helped everybody else get through the the boundary, uh, but he stayed behind in the what he thought until now was the vain hope that more humans would show up to go. So you get the idea that it's been a long time, like years, maybe decades since other humans have made it this far to to escape to safety you know it's interesting that you brought up the uh the sanctuary that turns out not to be great mm-hmm. trope because that's in Logan's run right. and both in the in in the novel it's a little different but in the movie it's very definitely there yeah and in the movie when they get there when they uh, when they get out of the city of domes and they're heading to sanctuary and they go to Washington D.C. where they find this old man, yeah, and he's got a, like a white beard and stuff. I think he's maybe played by Peter Ustinov. I, I yes. don't remember. Yeah, but um, but I was thinking of that guy, right? And we were introduced to Koshamas. Yeah, very. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of that. So now back on the troop carrier, like we mentioned the the Ashad starts doing something like attacking the other Cybermen, which wakes them up and makes them follow him. Uh, and they're coming. I think he's, it's like he's drilling or something, and we see sparks flying, and they're yeah. screaming. And yeah. our our gang, who's watching from the control room, is like whatever he's using on them is able to make Cybermen scream. Yeah, and that that could be an indication that he's doing something with their emotion on inhibitors. Right. And then he takes 10,000 of them to walk to the bridge, because, <laughs> you know, that's how many you need. Um, and then we flash to uh, back to Brendan for the last time in this episode. Uh, he's now an old man retiring from a long career with the guard. Um, and as he leaves, uh, carrying his clock, uh, mm-hmm. that is a retirement gift. A clock, we, we've seen people carrying clocks that have uh, special, significance special significance and fire alarms. Yes. Uh, and he's met by his dad, who's strangely young. Uh, and like, the other cop. And the other who cop. Who recruited him, who's also strangely young. Yep. And they, they'd say, oh, we've got to take you to the back room. And he goes willingly, you know, meekly. Without a word. Doesn't even say a word. Yeah. Yep. And they connect him up to some equipment and zap him to, as they, they some of the dialogue implies, they're removing his memory. Yeah, he says, it's too bad you won't remember your service, but we've got to eliminate every scrap of evidence. And they basically hook him up. They give him what looks like electroshock therapy. Right. Uh, And that's that's where we end with him. So that's to be continued. Uh, Now we're on the. uh, Except except they don't put anything in his mouth to keep him from biting his tongue. Yeah, that that seems like you always want to do that if you're giving someone electroshock. Make a note. uh, And next time you're giving someone electroshock, don't do that, folks. Don't get too not, <laughs> not unless you're a qualified medical professional. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the doctor back on the boundary planet uh, goes with Kosharmas to the beach uh, where they're going to access the boundary. And as she she tells you, you have to you have to get closer, get closer to it. You have to get approach it. I'm like, don't go closer. I, I know. Something bad it was felt so happen. creepy. <laughs> yes. I mean, 
Uh, and then it then the boundary starts to open up and it's a big purple stargate. Yes. And then we see on the other side, it's Gallifrey destroyed, as we saw yep. before in the earlier in the season. And the master emerges from it and says, be afraid, doctor, because everything is about to change forever. And as soon as he as soon as he pops out, I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and yep. uh, yes. And then we're going to get some closure, hopefully, on the timeless child uh, uh, trope that we've got. I, I like his, he, he comes out as, that was a good entrance, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> was, yeah. Uh, yeah. They've got, they've got the writing of this master down pretty well. I think uh, the, with this character. So I've been enjoying him. So, but before we do theories, yes. Um, few, few preliminary notes just about the episode in general. Yes. Yep. I think Chibnall's Cybermen are, the, are the best of new who. Yeah. The, what he's done with the Cybermen this season it feels much scarier, much more realistic. He's got the body horror going. He's got more psychologically complex Cybermen. He has mm. these gritty war story type things. Um, they're way better than anything Davis Davies did with yeah, the Cybermen. Right. And they're better than everything Moffat did with the possible exception of the last two where Bill got assimilated and it was world enough in time and the Doctor Falls. I'd have to right. rewatch those to see, do I like Chibnall's Cybermen better, but so far I'm really liking Chibnall's Cybermen. I think the Cybermen very often are a disappointment mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they come off as if they're just, oh, here are the robots we're going to defeat again. And there's so much yep. more than that, and Chibnall is exploring the more than that. And if, he is, if the Ascension does involve permanently changing their emotional structure, that will make them more interesting. So there are... So I, I, the Mondasian bring back the original Cybermen was good. This is a good take on them. I like that. I do have a concern that Chibnall is destroying too many empires mm -hmm. because we've got the Cybermen wiped out and we've got Gallifrey wiped out at the moment. And that can't last forever. And I, in fact, I think one or both of those is going to get the rug pulled out from under it next episode yeah. or in the very near future. In, uh, you don't. It's just too close together, destroying big empires and bringing them back. And it's like, let them just be what they are. Um, you don't have to constantly be destroying stuff just to amp up the stakes, especially we don't even see the destruction. It's not like we got a season long story arc about the end of the cyber wars or the downfall of Gallifrey. Just mm -hmm. telling us doing something off screen and telling us about it is not drama, which they've done already. This was the beginning yeah. of New Who is we spent several seasons, a number of seasons right. with Gallifrey destroyed off screen and and the. And the Daleks Empire destroyed. Like we've we've kind of done that, so let's not keep doing that. Which I, which yeah. is a good point. I when the Cybermen are marching after they're all active at the end of the season, and we see them, you know, marching down gangways and stuff. Yep. It it I have a note that this feels more dark than seeing a billion Daleks buzzing around at mm -hmm. Journey's End and stuff. Right. This feels much more of a threat than right. a bunch of pepper pots flying around did. <laughs> right. Yep. Right. One quick thing um, they mentioned about uh, as they're on that that little escape craft, uh, I think it was Yaz mentioned uh, mentions about, you know, we've been stranded in space before. And of course, that's a reference to Ghost Monument where they right. they teleport to where the TARDIS was supposed to be. And they're in the middle of the middle outer of space. space. Yes. Yeah, that true. was a nice. And, and actually, yes, do not take any deep breaths <laughs> if you're about to experience explosive decompression. Do the reverse. Blow all of the all air out of your lungs. Right. It you don't want to yeah. be a balloon. 
All right. Uh, so let's talk theories of what's what's going on, what we can expect to see who various figures are. So one thing that I saw someone comment online is given that the, the, the barrier shows us Gallifrey and we've got the timeless children and stuff. Looks like Gallifrey was in Ireland after all. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's a callback to uh, the, the, uh, the um, third oh, doctor third, uh Yes. Yeah. So Brendan, uh, mm-hmm. what do you think? Is he perhaps a, he's a timeless child. Uh, so he's one of the timeless children. Does that make him a time lord? It depends on what the relationship between mm-hmm. the timeless children and the time lords is. Yeah, um, See, I've mm-hmm. I've seen one theory that someone has promoted that it turns out that Gallifreyans are actually like evolved humans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's possible. And that's where he comes from. It's not impossible. Um, so. So let's think about the Timeless Children for a second. We now know that originally we only knew of one, that there was a Timeless Child buried in the Doctor's memories, but we didn't know who that was or anything or what made it timeless. It was something forgotten and abandoned. But then the episode, the title for next week's episode is The Timeless Children. So clearly there's more than one. This episode is clearly a setup for that. So Brendan has to be a Timeless Child. So Mm -hmm. what makes a child timeless? Well, um, he does something very much like regeneration, except mm-hmm. his appearance right. doesn't change, but it otherwise we'd classify this as regeneration. And um, we know. And so that's something that could be what makes a child timeless. We also have evidence of a previously and a past regeneration that the doctor doesn't know about in her own history that could indicate a pre-Hartnell cycle of regenerations. And uh, in fact, the uh, when we see the, the timeless child in the doctor's memories, it's a little black girl. And the previous uh, incarnation, the mystery incarnation, the Ruth doctor or Dr. Ruth that we see is a black woman. And so, as I hypothesized at the time, maybe that timeless child grows up to be Ruth. And so, Mm -hmm. based on the various pieces we have here, it looks like there is a group of timeless children that may regenerate indefinitely. Mm. And, And they periodically then need their memories wiped to, uh, to preserve protect the secret and 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 possibly to protect the fiction that time lords can only regenerate 12 times um and so i am aware of some some theories suggesting that uh that maybe the time lords got regeneration from the timeless children maybe they're two Mm -hmm. different groups um but however that's the case Given the pieces we have on the board now, I, I mean, we see memory. We see a timeless child, Brendan. We see his memory being wiped, and we know the doctor has a timeless child, which is presumably her, given mm-hmm. in her memory, given uh, given the child she sees, and what we now know about a previous incarnation of hers. Um, it looks to me like the doctor is. The little black timeless child who grew up, had a cycle of regenerations, eventually had her memory wiped and went out as William Hartnell, then got another cycle of regenerations, which maybe was always there. 
uh, at the end of Matt Smith's time. And there's a huge lie connected with all this involving the master as well. Um, and the master, I my guess is the master is also a timeless child. Yeah. And um, and has and knows his memory has been messed with by the Time Lords to preserve this secret. And that's why he uh, wanted to destroy Gallifrey, because he personally, maybe he's not a Gallifrey and maybe the time, timeless child people are different than the Gallifreyans. And he believes the Gallifreyans messed with him and that warranted their destruction. They made him think he was one of them. When really he's not, they made him think he had a limited number of lives when really he doesn't. Uh, something along those lines. I'm not saying all those details will pan out, but I'm guessing that this is the general shape of what we're going to find out with mm. these characters. Now, now, Corey? The one, one thing I, I, I when you look at the, the Brendan scenes, though. They're different. They're soft mm-hmm. focus. Mm-hmm. They're kind of a sepia tone. Yeah, which I you know kind of makes me think that those aren't literal historical events. Hmm. That yeah, false memory, or it, it might be like a false memory or a parable, if you will, of something that actually happened. You know, so it could be someone's interpretation, like you mentioned, like the, maybe the master or even the doctor remembering something from the past, but remembering it in a false memory way Hmm. where that's not an actual event that happened in Ireland in the, you know, early 1900s into the mid 1900s, but actually something different, different time, different place, but the same basic idea. That could be, although television shows also often use uh, color filters and things like that to show us this is occurring in the past. Oh, I, I, I agree with you that, on that, but in, in I, just, I mean, that's, 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 that's another theory I'm kind of throwing out there that this mm-hmm. isn't because how does it explain then the dad and the sergeant or the other police, the, the other guard suddenly being, you know, going aging and then suddenly right. they're young again. Yeah. You know, so well, they'd have to be involved in the, the conspiracy Right against the time, which, which is which is why which is why I have that thought that maybe it's not actually a historical event that we're seeing, but we're seeing someone's interpretation of it. It's distorted of something memory. else that happened. Yeah, false yeah, memory, like, yeah, like I said, a false memory, but that's pointing to a re, uh, something else that actually did happen. Yeah, I came around to thinking that. Um, well, then there's well, just, I came around to thinking the way you you have Jimmy like the boat that he that Brandon is one of the timeless children. But then there's the question of where does Ashad fit into all of this? Where does Ashad mm-hmm. the 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 lone Cyberman, the ascension of the Cybermen? How do they fit into this question too? And that's a that's I have less of a grasp on. That's still a little well, weird. He 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 could be just what he says he is a, an enthusiastic recruit to the cyber cause. Or it could be more than that. Like you suggested, maybe the reason he was rejected and they didn't fully convert him is because he's not a human. He's a timeless child. Yeah. Yeah. That would make it interesting if the if the master, the doctor and the Cyberman are all the three, three or or three of the timeless children, along with Brendan, uh, who maybe maybe the Brendan is the ma- one of the master's prior incarnations. That would be interesting, too. Uh, that he doesn't remember. So that's interesting. Um, this there's a like we said at the beginning. There's a lot of threads that get untied here. <laughs> this episode. Hopefully, they all get tied. Many of them, anyway, get tied back up again 
in the second part. Now I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw another possible theory. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that this is a definite or not, but Ruth is actually a tie-in to next season. That would be cool. I, she doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll do it or not. But you know, like you talk about how Chimno's got kind of this master plan. Yeah. What if she was thrown in this season to then point to next season? That she'll be back next season. Yeah. Well, in terms of appearances, I mean, I I love Ruth. I, I, she oh, yeah. was more yeah. she was more fun than Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. Yeah. Frankly, um, I would love to see more of Ruth. Are you proposing, though, Father, that she's the next incarnation? Of no, the no, doctor? no, not not, a, not as a regeneration. I'm saying that okay. that whole issue may not even be resolved next episode at that's, all. That's possible. I'm, I'm not saying. No, yeah, no, I'm just it, throwing this it, out it, as a theory, not saying whether I agree with it or not. It just is a mm-hmm. possibility of. They did that to have that hook in this season to tie to next, because if he's doing an overarching plan that's more than one season, that would make a lot of sense that you would have mm-hmm. something this season that's big that ties into next season. Yeah. And I don't expect all of our questions to be answered. I mean, I do want closure on who are the timeless children and where does Ruth fit into the doctor's timeline. But I I, I suspect that there will be questions we will not have answered because, yeah. sin- I mean, what this feels like to me is a retread or, you know, revivification of the Cartmel master plan. And the mm. whole point behind the Cartmel master plan was back in the 1980s was to make the Doctor more mysterious again by making the Doctor this pivotal figure from Time Lord history. And this is essentially the same sort of thing. We're trying to make the Doctor more mysterious again. So I suspect we will have it revealed the Doctor is a timeless child. And maybe that's not the same thing as a Gallifreyan or a Time Lord. Hmm. And and that would be a way of reintroducing mystery. Because if we know the Doctor who we've assumed is in this one category is really kind of also in a different category, that adds mystery. Right. And and that's the function of doing all this. I've I've seen a lot of commenters on YouTube who are not as I mean they they may know the history of the show, but I don't feel like they're deep fans in the same way. Uh who have been freaking out about the idea of pre-Hartnell incarnations as if that's sacrosanct. When in fact, it it never was. Uh, and the old show did not treat it that way. And right. the 12 regeneration limit was a very late introduction after we'd had indications, I mean, clear, clear on-screen indications of pre-Hartnell doctors. Um, the, uh, it, it, the, and they're going like, what would be the point of this? The point is, to, and and it would it would ruin the doctor if we knew that th- there was this additional backstory. It's like why that just creates more mystery. <laughs> right. There are vast stretches of the doctor's life we don't know anything about. Exactly. And if the doctor's in this other weird category, is not quite a normal time lord. That just creates more mystery. That's the point. It makes the doctor more intriguing and creates more room for storytelling. Right. Yeah. Uh, have you been watching Doctor Who very long? because <laughs> yeah. the, they yeah. don't yeah the, the sort of thing is pretty yeah. much par for the course well and, and you know we talk about canon and doctor who which doesn't yeah. really exist yes it's, not, it's like not like star, star trek where there's actually you know yeah. books of canon uh, doctor yeah. who it plays pretty fast and loose with canon and always yeah. has i'd say in rigor of canon you have star trek at the star wars at the top star trek in the middle and doctor who is, is at the bottom where anything can go uh at any time when they decide to all you got to say is the time war wiped everything out and that just changes canon. So, yeah. well, 
But you can also flip it the other way because since since it, it since you can always say that everything in Doctor Who is canon, it's even more <laughs> canon oriented than Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. I think that's uh, where we should uh, wrap things up for this time. We are obviously looking forward to the season finale. I can't believe it's here already. This has been too quick of a season. 10 episodes, uh, which we'll is a sign we enjoyed it. Yes, exactly. I, I think uh, we're, we're going to have a wrap up retrospective episode after next week. So just keep in mind that we're going to be doing that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, th- I, I my overall impression of this episode is even where there were times where I had a hard time following things. I enjoyed it just because it's hard to follow. doesn't yeah. mean it's not good. I mean, that, that makes it sometimes better. And, and, and this might be one of these episodes that when we do see next the next episode, everything's going to click. Yes. You, you know. cannot watch them apart from each other, that they're one story and that's that together they'll, they're, they're better than the sum of their parts like Superman. No. Uh, so <laughs> we, <laughs> we are going to have uh, next week's episode. We'll definitely um, we have a lot to talk about. So uh, let's let's wrap things up here. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Penelope W., Jonathan L., Pam, James M., and Vincent D., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. Uh, let us know what you thought of Ascension of the Cybermen. You can send us your feedback uh, by going to comment at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who, or you can go to the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. And of course, we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the season finale episode, The Timeless Children. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Sunshine. <laughs> and once again, I'm Sunshine <laughs> Dom Bethanelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember... Every empire falls, but that which is dead can live again in the hands of a believer, even Gallifrey. Right. This is going to be fun.